0: What an encouraging morning already. Amen? Amen. I love, I love getting to celebrate with uh, brothers and sisters who stand up to declare their faith in baptism. It's always so encouraging to see that. I find myself today in a little bit of an interesting spot. If you've been uh, a regular around here at Bethel, you're probably aware of this. I know we've got a few guests that are here uh, this morning for our baptisms. And so uh, this might be new news to you for whatever it's worth to you. But uh, uh, I'm just about this my last Sunday before I head on to a little bit of a sabbatical break for the next few months. And I am very excited about what is ahead. I'm excited about the time and the opportunity of rest for Natalie and I and our family and what God's going to do that in our lives. I'm excited for what I know God's going to do in the midst of his church and your lives here. Uh, We all recognize that none of this depends on any one individual. Uh, We're here because of Jesus. He is amazing. His word is living and active, and that is going to be continued to be declared week in and week out, and so I can't wait to hear the stories about what's going to be happening and believing by faith that there's going to be much that God's going to do, but at the same time, there's a little bit of sadness for us because we love our church family. It has been such a joy and an honor to be here for coming up on almost eight years, and uh, we're going to miss you guys. Um, We're going to miss you guys, but please know that we are praying for you, and we're so thankful for how many of you have already expressed you're going to be praying for us. So thank you for that, and I am sure it's going to fly by. And so the next time we'll probably see each other. Although if we run into each other in the grocery store, because it's a small town, right? That's going to happen. Like, don't feel weird, don't feel awkward. Okay, it's okay. It's totally okay. We can chat and uh, and connect up. But the next time we're going to see each other, Lord willing, it will be spring. And that's going to be sweet. Uh, and so we'll look forward to that as well. Today, we're diving into God's Word. You can grab a Bible out. We're in Acts chapter 9. And so if you brought your Bible with you, pull that out. If you have it on a phone or whatever, if you didn't bring a Bible with you fairly close by in one of the seat backs there, you can grab one, and I encourage you to open that up. We find ourselves today in uh, what I'm going to suggest is a transition text, Okay. We're in verses 32 to 43 of Acts chapter 9. And it's a, it's a transition text between these two huge moments. Last week, we were in Acts chapter 9 up to verse 31. And it was this huge moment of God breaking Saul, the, the adamant accuser and terrorizer of the church, bringing him to his knees and saving Saul. That was last week's message. Next week, when Steve Adams is going to be here, you're going to hear Steve open up the beginning of Acts chapter 10. And Acts chapter 10 is another huge story where, where God gives this vision to Peter, and, and the final big floodgate opens up into reaching the Gentiles. And it starts with this guy named Cornelius. And so we've gone from the Jews in Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, and then we're going to go to the ends of the earth starting next week. So there are these two huge moments, the beginning of chapter 9, beginning of chapter 10, and then sandwiched in between them is the text that we are at today. And, and it's an interesting one because, because really, if you were to step back and consider the whole book of Acts, really what these 11 verses are is essentially just teeing up Peter getting to this town called Joppa so that he can have the vision. It's it's just a passage about moving Peter from where he was to Joppa so we can get to the next big event. But for some reason, God decides to not just do even what he had already led Luke by the Holy Spirit to do a few chapters earlier. Like, for example, in Acts chapter 8, we read in verse 25, when they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now, surely, there are all kinds of stories behind that sentence, right? And yet, We just get one, they moved through the villages and ended up here. Why doesn't that happen here? Why why doesn't our passage here just simply say, and Peter traveled down to Joppa and stayed at Simon the Tanner's house? Why does God give us these 11 verses? It's because in these 11 verses, we are going to find in the midst of the transition that you would think is just a throwaway, two incredible stories. In the midst of these 11 verses and these two incredible stories, I want to suggest to us here today, Bethel, that God has a truth he wants to challenge each one of us with. It's this. In the unsuspecting times, God does unexpected things. In the unsuspecting times, God does unexpected things. We we all get the suspecting times the expected times right we we all understand that that when we maybe go to a conference and it's got this big author speaker there who is world renowned and is going to be preaching we go into that environment and we're like ooh i can't wait to hear because i know god's going to do something big there right we all, we all get the, the inviting a friend to Alpha. They say yes. They come along on the journey. And then you get to the point where you're at the, the retreat getaway weekend. And it's like, oh, I'm so expecting something big. Life change is going to happen here. We get that. We, we get even on a day like today, where, where we've got people standing up and declaring their faith with in baptism, and, and it's like, oh, this is a huge moment. This is encouraging, this is exciting. I'm anticipating something happening. In, in, the, in the expected moments, we're, we're anticipating how's God going to answer prayer? How's God gonna bear fruit in evangelism? How's God gonna transform lives? We're we're eager, we're looking, but that's that's all good. But that's not what our text today is about. Our text today is the transition that you would never think anything's gonna happen. Our text today is the moment when you drive over and go to Walmart and are wandering through the aisle to pick up your groceries. Nothing's gonna happen there, right? Our text today is the the just chit-chatting at work in between the next call to work on. Our text today is the the seasons of life. I don't know, the the stay-at-home mom season of life or the retired season of life moved into the home. You know, there's all kinds of other seasons of life when I would think the big things are going to happen and the opportunities for God to work are really going to go down. But in this season, it's just kind of like, don't we just need to get from here to there but hear this, Bethel. In the unsuspecting times, God works unexpectedly. That's what our text today is all about. Acts chapter 9, verse 32 begins. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. Here's a map up on the screen you can see where Jerusalem is and, and Lydda is. Jerusalem to Lydda, probably about a 40-kilometer trek, roughly northwest. And so he, he's trekking towards Lydda to, to encourage those who have already put their faith in Christ. Presumably, there's probably a bunch of folks that, that back in the whole Pentecost, first couple chapters of revival breaking out in Jerusalem got scattered because of Saul's persecution, and so they've gone out to these different villages. And so now Peter is going, and he's going to visit some of them to encourage them, to check in on them, to see how they're doing, to strengthen them in their faith. There, in Lydda, verse 33 says, he found a man named Ananias, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Ananias, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and tie to your mat. And immediately, Aeneas got up. And all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon, which is another little small town right beside it, saw him and turned to the Lord. This guy, Aeneas, has been unable to walk, he's been bedridden for eight years. And Peter here comes and meets him, finds him. Now, a couple months ago, I uh, was working with my two daughters as they were training for cross-country in the fall. Now, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm clearly the specimen of long-distance running, right? So, so I am trying to help them train and show off, and I, I tore a muscle in the back of my calf, trying to keep up with an 8- and 11-year-old girl. Um and, and I had to go to physio for my calf for months. Months of acupuncture and different stretching exercises before finally my calf muscle that was pulled a little bit, I didn't have to walk with a painful limp. This guy has not been able to walk for eight years. And in an instant, he goes... From paralyzed to perfected. There is this radical miracle that happens here. His muscles are mended, his tenons are are perfectly transformed. And there is no physio going on in this moment. There is no, like, even just think about the logistics of this. The muscle memory to walk is instantly given he's immediately able to stand up and walk and start dancing around and pick up his mat and everybody Aeneas, the whole town their minds are just blown right how can this happen this doesn't happen what is going on and word about this spreads even around the countryside in joppa there was a disciple named tabitha which one translated is dorcas who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, probably, I'm guessing, because of the word going around about, man, this guy who was paralyzed is now walking, right? They sent two men and urged him, please, Peter, come at once. This dear sister in the faith, who has helped so many widows in their time of need, has just died, and we don't know what we're going to do without her. Please, can you come? And so Peter, verse 39, went with them. Here's another map again, and you can see their their top arrow, that's Joppa. So it's about another 19-kilometer journey from Lydda to the coast in Joppa. Peter arrives, our text continues, and he was taken upstairs to the room. And all the widows widows stood around crying and showing him the robes and all the other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter is surrounded by these widows. You can just hear the sobs resounding around the room, the tears dripping down their faces like, look at this robe that she made us and look at this dress that she helped us with. And let me tell you the story of what she did to help me and help me. And everybody's just profusely telling all of these accounts of how this woman had so powerfully impacted their life. And verse 40 says, Peter sent them all out of the room. And then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes. And seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. If, if you thought the paralyzed guy getting healed was a crazy story, like immerse yourself into the text here with me, okay? Here's what I picture. How many in this room have been to Denning's funeral home? Show of hands. Okay, most of you. If you haven't been to Denning's, that's okay. Picture your own funeral home that you can think of. You've been in there. Most of them are the same, but I, I envision Denning's just down the street. Okay, you you walk around the hallway to come to the back entrance of that main meeting room, right? And there's the double doors and you walk in those double doors. And if you've gone there for anybody's funeral or visitation, you know right as you enter those doors, there's probably a couple displays of some picture boards of that family member there, right? Or that loved one. Pictures of them and stuff like that. And then over to the right, you see the whole receiving line of family lined up and there's friends and whatever there, greeting them, hugging them, crying, all this sort of thing and then at the front of the room, on either side of the front room, is the screens with the slideshow playing and the sentimental music going, and the casket is right there surrounded by flowers, and And I want you to envision it's an open casket so that everybody can go up and say their final goodbyes. Can you Can you picture this? You got it in your head, that picture? Imagine you are there, you're in that moment, there's all these people, all that stuff is going down, and then all of a sudden, this guy from out of town walks in the back door and says, everybody out, get out of the room, and starts like shoving and pushing and encouraging and nudging everybody, family, friends, all the people crying, everybody, come on out of the room, out of the room, and then slams the two doors and everybody's in the hallway there waiting outside of that room. And everybody is like, what is going on? And who is this guy? And where did he come from? And and you're all just like spinning, right? Now, you can't see it. But now, this guy goes up to the open casket at the front of the room, gets on his knees, prays, and then your loved one in the casket opens their eyes Sits up out of the open casket, is taken by the hand, climbs out of the casket, and then walks to the doors, opens the doors, and is like, hey, everybody. (laughs) That's this moment. That, That is what this moment is. The person that they went to the funeral and saw the dead body at the front of the room is now waving at them saying hello. Verse 42. Like This has got to be one of the most understated verses in the whole Bible. This became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. No kidding, it became all over known. Like, can you imagine the Just Ask Strathroy Facebook page when that goes down at Dennings? In verse 43, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. And there it is, folks. There's the setup verse for next week's message. There's the setup verse for the next big thing. When, when Peter is going to be hanging out at this guy named Simon the Tanner's house and a vision's going to come and all that's going to happen. I'm not going to spoil next week's message for you, okay? But let me ask you again. If the whole point is to get Peter to that point for the big thing to come next, Why these 11 verses? Why these two stories? Why include them? Why not just a throwaway line? Peter traveled throughout the region preaching until he got to Joppa. Because in unsuspecting times, God works unexpectedly. God is never off. God doesn't take days off moving in people's lives. There isn't actually throwaway moments where there's no way God's going to move because it's just a transition to get from here to there. It's not just the, the big deal moments when God works. It's not just through the big deal speaker at the conference that God changes lives. He does amazing things right after class on your lunch break at school. He does mind-blowing and incredible things as you stand in your driveway talking to your neighbor. He does amazing and incredible things on the regular Sunday morning where you're like, I'm just going to church because it's what I'm supposed to do. What's for lunch? Even in the unsuspecting moments, he works. And if you want to see God work in your unsuspecting moments in unexpected ways, there are two challenging truths, applications for us that I want to show you coming out of this text. If if you have a desire... Hey man, I'd love to see God work in the unsuspecting, unexpected moments in crazy ways. Changing lives, changing me, changing others, moving in power. I'd love to see that happen. Two truths we see that we can learn from this text. Here's the first one. Every moment is an opportunity to share Christ. Every moment. Every single moment is an opportunity to share Christ. Sure, Peter is going to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem, and he's going to end up in Joppa. We read in verse 32, As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. Peter here has an agenda on his mind. He has some saints in mind that he is going to visit and to encourage. And then we read in verse 33, then he found a man named Aeneas. That word found in the original language has this sense of surprise. it's, It's totally unexpected. It's not what you're looking for. You stumble upon it. Peter didn't go to Lydda looking for Ananias. He didn't even know about Ananias. He was going there for other reasons, but the unexpected opportunity to share Christ came face to face with him, and he seized it. Aeneas, verse 34, said, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. And tidy your mat the unexpected man leads to an unexpected miracle that leads to the entire town hearing about the good news of Jesus Christ this was never on the agenda for Peter and yet every moment is an opportunity to share Christ Peter wasn't looking for this but he didn't miss it either. Dear friends, we need to hear this. Because how many times do we rush from the one to the next to the next and blow right past the opportunities that God is giving that we just don't even see because we're just getting to the next spot? I mean, how many times, parents, in your cars... Are you rushing from one event to the next event to get all of the things, the games, the practices, the recitals, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da done and fail to stop and pause and reflect? Am I discipling the little ones that are in my back seat? Are we praying together? How how easy it is. We come on a Sunday morning and serve in a particular ministry, whatever it is for you, okay? Whatever team you're on, welcome team, worship team, production team, kids ministry team, whatever it is. How easy it is to come and be like, okay, I've got to get my role done. And, And did you notice the dear brother or dear sister that was very visibly shaken standing over in the corner who needed someone to pray for them? Did you notice? Or were you just getting the job done? How, how easy it is for us to think, students. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll get back to this whole following Jesus thing when I get a little bit older after I get through high school. Hey, here's a question for you. What if that classmate of yours who is struggling right now with self-harm can't wait until a few years later for you to get back to the faith that you know all about? What if they need you to stand up and talk about your faith right now? How easy it is for us to miss the fact that every moment is an opportunity to share Christ. One of you shared with me a story from a few weeks ago. And I was just so encouraged by the story that I had to share it with you. I got, it, got their permission to share it. So, so a number of weeks ago, they were at the laundromat in town. And they load up all their laundry into the washing machine and are waiting there for stuff to go through and and get through almost the whole cycle, if I understand the story correct, and then discover that the washing machine is broken. And so need to empty all of their laundry out and start all over again. Now, who here thinks the laundromat would be the place where I'm expecting God to work? And now who here thinks after half an hour of sitting there waiting for the washing machine to get done and then needing to start all again would leave you cheery and happy and not wanting to rush on to the next thing. So this person puts their laundry in and decides, you know what, I'm going to turn the church online service on on my phone. And so sits in the laundromat with it on, no earbuds, your buds love that, gets to the dryer, does the dryer, and then is ready to go. Well, in the period of time that only happened because the first washing machine was broken, they would have been gone already. A guy walks in, and when this person is loading up their laundry and about to walk out the door, the guy says, hey, would you mind sticking around so I can listen to the rest of that church service? So they sit together and watch the service on the phone. And then she invites them to church the next week. Who was expecting that to happen when you go to the laundromat? Who is not frustrated to move on to the next thing? Hey, Bethel, every moment is an opportunity to share Christ including the most unsuspecting moments, including the moments where you're like, I just want to get on to the next thing because I'm already running late. Hey, what if What if God's trying to orchestrate somebody in your life right there? Are your eyes open? Are they? Here's the second lesson we learn. Every moment is an opportunity to show Christ. Every moment is an opportunity to show Christ. Here's the challenge of the second takeaway. How are you living in the unexpected moment? How am I acting when I'm not thinking about anybody else around me? Jesus says in the Gospel of John, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Into our broken, dark world, God sent his Son. The light of the world came into the darkness to save us, to rescue us, so that we can have our sins forgiven, so that we can have a relationship with God reconciled and remade. Jesus is the light of the world. But it's also fascinating that in the Gospel of Matthew, we record on a separate occasion Jesus said these words You, speaking to his disciples, if you're here today and you're a disciple of Jesus, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. First, Jesus shines into the darkness of our world and our lives, and by faith we trust in him and are saved. And then, as we trust in him, his light shines out through us so that other people can be pointed to Jesus. That's God's intent for us as his followers Every moment, including the most unsuspecting ones, is an opportunity to shine as an example for Jesus. Every moment, even the most unexpected ones, is an opportunity to show Christ. Peter, here, lives like Jesus. It's actually quite incredible and remarkable here. Notice, first of all, Peter notices the people Jesus noticed. He's going on his way and then all of a sudden stumbles across this paralyzed guy. He doesn't rush past because he notices the forgotten, the least of these, the brushed aside, just like Jesus did. Peter gets led to this town called Joppa and goes and is led to this woman who looked after the all forgotten of society. And he stops and he notices her just like Jesus noticed. The women and the children and the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the sinners and the lepers. Peter lives just like Jesus here. But even more than that, look at what Peter does in these two instances. It's not just that he notices these two people. Look at what he does with them. In the gospel of Mark, we read of this moment where a group of friends bring their buddy to Jesus. They rip open the roof because there's so many people crowded in the house. And let me read this, a few of these verses, and and tell me if you don't see the parallels between the text of ours in Acts chapter 9 and what Jesus did here. Jesus says, which is easier? To say to the paralytic... Your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This is exactly what Peter did. Peter is there, he comes across a paralyzed man who's lying on a mat, He tells him to get up. Immediately the man is healed. He jumps up, picks up his mat, and goes out and everybody is blown away. You know Peter was there when Jesus did that, right? He's doing exactly what he saw Jesus do. He's being a light just like Jesus was. Let me show you another passage in the Gospel of Mark. This one is even even better. There's a synagogue ruler. His name is Jairus. He goes and flags down Jesus because his daughter is really sick. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, see, on the way, the daughter died. Jesus saw a commotion with many people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him. There's no way God's going to work in this. We're at the funeral, Jesus. Don't you realize? Look at what Jesus does. He put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in there where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha cum," which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Peter does exactly what he saw Jesus do. He's living as a light just like Jesus lived as a light. He arrives at the funeral, just like Jesus did. He ushers everyone out of the room, just like Jesus did. And look with me at what he says. Now, this is a little bit of my just like, huh, maybe maybe this is a pure coincidence, okay? So I will concede that. But check this out. Let me read for you again the verse... That Jesus says. He, he walks up to the girl, takes her by the hand, and then says, Talitha Kum. Now, Jesus, there, he's a Jew. He's speaking Aramaic. He's speaking Aramaic, and that translated, Talitha Kum, means, little girl, I say to you, get up, arise. Now Peter walks into this room, ushers everybody out, and walks up to the body of Tabitha. Now we have, because Luke is written in Greek, the Greek of what Peter would have said, but Peter too was a Jew, and almost certainly he actually said Tabitha Kum. He almost certainly in Aramaic said the exact same thing, change one letter. Talethakum, little girl, arise, Tabitha Kum, her name, rise up. And instantly the eyes open, sits up, raised from the dead. Peter here is living exactly like Jesus. He's shining the light of Jesus. He's being just like Jesus and people are noticing what he's doing. Let me ask you, friends, in the unsuspecting moments, the from here to there when you never think anything would happen, how are you living? How are you acting? It was not too long ago that I went to Domino's over here. We ordered a pickup for Domino's. I'm waiting in line. The lobby is filled up with a whole bunch of people. And then I come up to the desk. She goes and gets my pizza and brings it back. And there's the little label on there that has your name on it. And she says, hey, you're the pastor at Bethel Baptist, aren't you? And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, no, what did I say? What was I doing as I waited in line? What is happening right here? Hey, dad or grandfather, or to not be stereotypical, it could be mom or mother or grandmother. When you're at your kid or grandkids hockey game in the arena, standing in the bleachers, cheering for them and railing on the ref, how often are you thinking about living like Jesus for those around you in the stand? When you're with your kids, okay, parents, you say, well, sure, we, we bring our kids to church, fantastic. We do our evening devotional at the dinner table, amazing, check, check, that's wonderful. Let me ask you, parents, what's coming out of your mouth when you think the children are in a different room and can't hear? How are you acting in the front seat when you think they're not paying attention in the back seat? In the moments where it's now not the intentional, expected, purposeful time, are you living like Jesus? Or what are they seeing? When you're at work and the jokes are being said, do you notice that you're laughing? And all the other guys are watching you laugh and go along with them. When you go away on vacation and it's like, all right, I'm going to go to the place where I just get to put my feet up. I mean, I've served long and hard at work, at church. It's time to be off, it's time to reprieve. What are the strangers seeing? The unsuspecting times are not when we turn off living as ambassadors for Jesus. In fact, I would suggest to you that probably the unsuspecting times are some of the most important for us to be living like Jesus as a testimony of our faith. Our text today, it could be just this transition text. Peter travels down to Joppa, get to chapter 10. But God has something more for us today. He wants us to hear this in the unsuspecting transition moments where you think it's just to mail it in. God can do unexpected things. And this should not come as a surprise to any of us who are followers of Jesus, who are are exploring this thing that we call following Jesus Christ. Because the very thing that we have as the centerpiece of our faith, which is Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, the very thing in just a moment that will come around the communion table to remember his body broken and his blood poured out, if you think about that, forget that we now live in 2024 and we know how the rest of the story has gone. At the moment, that was the most unsuspecting story you could imagine. This this random guy from a little town of Nazareth ends up going. He's the son of a carpenter. He gets arrested and killed by some Romans. Move on with the story. How many other people have that exact same tale? No big deal. Move on. You'd never think. He had a hundred followers maybe. This was not a big deal. Except he wasn't a random guy. He was the king of the universe. Except he wasn't the son of a carpenter, just he was the son of God. Except he wasn't from Nazareth, he was from heaven, except he didn't have just a few followers. He was the army angel leader, and he was going to have billions who would call upon his name and he was going to the cross, the most unsuspecting thing you would ever think the king of the universe, the son of God to do, to die for you and for me. See, we shouldn't be surprised that God works in the unexpected times because that's the very centerpiece of our faith. The last thing in the world you would ever think would happen is the greatest news the world could ever hear and truly our only hope.